You are listening to the weekly Bible lesson from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. This is the lesson for Sunday, March 28th, 2021. Subject, Reality, Golden Text, Isaiah. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Responsive Reading Isaiah But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honourable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee, and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east, and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back. Bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth, even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. The Bible. Exodus. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the Lord said, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand 
that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. Second Kings Then the king of Syria warred against Israel, and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him, and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants, and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet, that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Mark Jesus called his disciples unto him, and they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side, begging. 
And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they call the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Matthew Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Second Corinthians Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Ephesians We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. I'll read correlative passages 
from the Christian Science Textbook, Science and Health, with Key to the Scriptures, by Mary Baker Eddy. All reality is in God and His creation, harmonious and eternal. From beginning to end, whatever is mortal is composed of material human beliefs and of nothing else. That only is real which reflects God. Entirely separate from the belief and dream of material living is the life divine, revealing spiritual understanding and the consciousness of man's dominion over the whole earth. This understanding casts out error and heals the sick, and with it you can speak as one having authority. The Hebrew lawgiver, slow of speech, despaired of making the people understand what should be revealed to him. When, led by wisdom, to cast down his rod, he saw it become a serpent, Moses fled before it. But wisdom bade him come back and handle the serpent, and then Moses' fear departed. In this incident was seen the actuality of science. Matter was shown to be a belief only. The serpent, evil, under wisdom's bidding, was destroyed through understanding divine science. And this proof was a staff upon which to lean. The illusion of Moses lost its power to alarm him when he discovered that what he apparently saw was really but a phase of mortal belief. It was scientifically demonstrated that leprosy was a creation of mortal mind and not a condition of matter when Moses first put his hand into his bosom and drew it forth white as snow with the dread disease, and presently restored his hand to its natural condition by the same simple process. God had lessened Moses' fear by this proof in divine science, and the inward voice became to him the voice of God, which said, It shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And so it was in the coming centuries, when the science of being was demonstrated by Jesus, who showed his students the power of mind by changing water into wine, and taught them how to handle serpents unharmed, to heal the sick, and cast out evils, in proof of the supremacy of mind. When understanding changes the standpoints of life and intelligence from a material to a spiritual basis, we shall gain the reality of life, the control of soul 
over sense, and we shall perceive Christianity or truth in its divine principle. This must be the climax before harmonious and immortal man is obtained and his capabilities revealed. It is highly important, in view of the immense work to be accomplished before this recognition of divine science can come, to turn our thoughts towards divine principle, that finite belief may be prepared to relinquish its error. Critics should consider that the so-called mortal man is not the reality of man. Then they would behold the signs of Christ's coming. Christ, as the spiritual or true idea of God, comes now, as of old, preaching the gospel to the poor, healing the sick, and casting out evils. Is it error which is restoring an essential element of Christianity, namely apostolic divine healing? No, it is the science of Christianity which is restoring it. And is the light shining in darkness which the darkness comprehends not? The material body and mind are temporal but the real man is spiritual and eternal. The identity of the real man is not lost, but found through this explanation. For the conscious infinitude of existence and of all identity is thereby discerned and remains unchanged. It is impossible that man should lose aught that is real when God is all and eternally his. The notion that mind is in matter and that the so-called pleasures and pains, the birth, sin, sickness and death of matter are real, is a mortal belief, and this belief is all that will ever be lost. Continuing our definition of man, let us remember that harmonious and immortal man has existed forever and is always beyond and above the mortal illusion of any life, substance and intelligence as existent in matter. This statement is based on fact, not fable. What is the model before mortal mind? Is it imperfection, joy, sorrow, sin, suffering? Have you accepted the mortal model? Are you reproducing it? Then you are haunted in your work by vicious sculptors and hideous forms. Do you not hear from all mankind of the imperfect model? The world is holding it before your gaze continually. The result is that you are liable to follow those lower patterns, limit your life work, and adopt into your experience the angular outline and deformity of matter models. To remedy this, 
we must first turn our gaze in the right direction and then walk that way. We must form perfect models in thought and look at them continually, or we shall never carve them out in grand and noble lives. Let unselfishness, goodness, mercy, justice, health, holiness, love, the kingdom of heaven, reign within us, and sin, disease, and death will diminish until they finally disappear. All the real is eternal. Perfection underlies reality. Without perfection, nothing is wholly real. All things will continue to disappear until perfection appears and reality is reached. We must give up the spectral at all points. We must not continue to admit the somethingness of superstition, but we must yield up all belief in it and be wise. The Christ-like understanding of scientific being and divine healing includes a perfect principle and idea, perfect God and perfect man, as the basis of thought and demonstration. If man was once perfect, but has now lost his perfection, then mortals have never beheld in man the reflex image of God. The lost image is no image. The true likeness cannot be lost in divine reflection. Understanding this, Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. Let the perfect model be present in your thoughts. I will now read the Three Daily Duties by Mary Baker Eddy as given in the Church Manual. Daily Prayer It shall be the duty of every member of this Church to pray each day. Thy kingdom come. Let the reign of divine truth, life and love be established in me, and rule out of me all sin, and may thy word enrich the affections of all mankind, and govern them. A Rule for Motives and Acts Neither animosity nor mere personal attachment should impel the motives or acts of the members of the Mother Church. In science, divine love alone governs man, and a Christian scientist reflects the sweet amenities of love in rebuking sin, in true brotherliness, charitableness, and forgiveness. 
The members of this church should daily watch and pray to be delivered from all evil, from prophesying, judging, condemning, counseling, influencing, or being influenced erroneously. Alertness to duty. It shall be the duty of every member of this church to defend himself daily against aggressive mental suggestion and not be made to forget nor to neglect his duty to God, to his leader, and to mankind. By his works he shall be judged and justified or condemned. And from Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy Christian scientists, be a law to yourselves that mental malpractice cannot harm you either when asleep or when awake. Thank you for listening. This Bible lesson is prepared by the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent. It is comprised of scriptural quotations from the King James Bible and correlative passages from the Christian Science textbook Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy. For more information, please visit our website plainfieldcs.com.